provision that's there. Wow. Isn't that amazing? I was I was reminded of Prophet Elijah when he um when the book dried up and he said, I want you to go to this woman. Um and there was a lot of women, widowed women, but he sent him specifically to this one. And um and he said, like, you know, what do you got? And he and she's like, Well, you know, I'm gonna make this cake and my son and I are gonna eat it and we're gonna die. Wow. What a way to live. And when they were talking about provision and the word came forth about Jehovah Jireh, that's the Hebrew word for the Lord is my provider. The Lord provides for me. Jehovah, meaning God of Jireh, meaning provider. The Lord's our provider. And I just want to come in agreement with everything that's being done here today. That God has a way. You've heard me say it many times. God has a way. And I was, earlier the Lord gave me, it's called the word of knowledge. And it was about somebody that has their son, their, their son. And he's heavy on your heart. I don't know whether the son's been injured. I don't know if the son's been incarcerated. I don't know if the son is going through something. But I want you to know he's heavy on your heart. And if that's you, no, that is you. That today, God says, I am Jehovah Jireh, not only for you, but for your children. So let's just receive that this morning. If that's you today, it says that's me that that words for you in fact if this if that is you and, and your son's real heavy on your heart would you just stand a moment I'm not going to embarrass you I just want to make sure that the the Lord is there's two there's three oh my goodness I see you in the sound booth there now what I'm going to ask you guys to do those of you that are around these people I just want you to go and just put your hand on them just lay your hand on them come on just find somebody that's standing and just lay your hand upon them because the enemy said well that's a word of knowledge but you didn't really hear God clearly <laughs> I guess we just laugh at that so those of you that are standing we just release this word of God over to you and I, you know the angels are sent like Sean was saying they're, they're sent to minister and we say that the angels of the Lord will minister to you about your heart being heavy for, for your son just father just ask the Lord to bless them Ask the Lord to strengthen them. Ask the Lord to give them wisdom, release wisdom and revelation to them right now. Just ask the Lord to release those things upon them right now in the name of Jesus. Ask the Lord to, to break things off that need to be broken off. Ask the Lord to give their son an encounter of his love and how, how much their son means not only to you, but... The things that are on your heart for your son, the Lord says they're on my heart for your son also. So just release a blessing. Release a blessing right now. Just release a blessing. Release that blessing. Just release that blessing upon them right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We just release your goodness. Yeah, just, just speak life. You know, I heard life. 
I heard life when they were singing life and prophesied about life. Just speak life. In fact, speak abundant life, abundant life. Abundant quantity and abundant quality of life. Supernatural abundance of quantity and quality. Some things that are going on. Father, we just thank you that you release abundant life right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love it as the Lord ministers this morning. I love it as the angels come and they minister this morning. I love it as the Spirit of God just begins to move and, and, and minister this morning right now. We just, we, just, we just declare life. We declare life. Hallelujah. Now we're going we're to go ahead and dismiss the first through fourth graders. The first through fourth graders, you guys are dismissed. And uh, just pick a couple people around you. The fifth and sixth graders, you guys are going with Mario. So the fifth and sixth graders are headed out here to the foyer. And first through fourth graders, first through fourth graders, you guys need to head in this direction over here. Amen. Why don't you get out in your seat and greet somebody this morning. Tell them God bless you. We're glad you're here. If you're visiting, we welcome you to Living Word Fellowship. Turn, turn with me to uh, turn with me to start with. We'll uh, we're going to look at a couple scriptures real quick. Uh, I'm not going to keep you long. I know that God is when He just does stuff. It's just we just have to get out of the way and just let Him do it. Um, just turn with me to Luke chapter 18. And as you're turning there, I just want us to talk a little bit about something that you've heard a little bit today, and and that was change. Just go back to the very beginning, Marty. Go back, please. There you go. Keep going. 
There you go. I want to talk a little bit about change. You noticed on the screen, do you see my leaf? You know, fall's coming on, and we're going to begin to see some things begin to change. And this is one of the greatest things you can see um, change in life. You can see the, the leaves begin to turn different colors. And I, I came here from North Carolina. That was it's just really unbelievable on the transformation of the trees that would, would change if you ever get a chance to to go into the Appalachian Mountains and or Appalachian, depends on how you want to pronounce that. But um, it's even through Tennessee and North Carolina and Virginia. It's just wonderful to see the leaves begin to change. And we've been talking about change, but we don't want to change just to change. Our goal of changing is transformation. Our goal needs to have an end result of we're changing to be transformed into God's image and into God's likeness. So we're going to talk a little bit about that real quick. Romans 12, 2 says this. Let's, let's all read it together. We'll have Marty put it up. Let's ready, read. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. When Paul wrote this, he was really talking about don't getting caught up in the world's philosophies, the world's ways um, of thinking and believing. And we're, we're shifting some things this morning. I really believe there were some things shifting this morning as we begin to look at what God's wanting to do in and through us. So if you've if you're got your Bibles there, turn with me to Luke 18. And I just want to look at some things as we look at change. And, and we're not changing just to change. We're changing because the ultimate result is transformation I want to be, I don't want to just change locations. I don't want to just change this or change that. I, I want it to have an end result of transformation. Luke 18, we're going to really read this parable about this rich young ruler, and it kind of fits in some things this morning. So if we're going to be renewing our mind, and the key to transformation is renewing your mind. Tell your neighbor, say, it's about renewing your mind. Come on, tell them it's about renewing your mind. It's, it's about renewing those things that we, that we think about our thoughts, let them be transformed. Just going to read along in Luke 18, and Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler, verse, one, or verse 18, in chapter 18 of the Gospel of Luke. A ruler questioned him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit life? And Jesus said to him, Do you call me good? Excuse me, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus heard this and he said to him, one thing you still lack, selling all that you possess and distribute it to the poor. And you shall have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he had heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. And Jesus looked at him and he said, How hard is it for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God? Verse 25, For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And I've read this before and I've thought, you know, I know some people that are very rich and they've just decided not, not to even follow the things of God because of this scripture. And that's wrong. Because he wasn't talking about if you're rich, you can never be involved with God. He wasn't talking about if you're rich, you can, you can never be able to, uh, to, to you got to give everything that you got to have and follow the things of God. But here's what he was talking about. Do you know the reference to an eye of a needle? 
a lot of us in our Western mindset, what do we think about? We think about a needle, licking the thread, putting the thread through it, and how difficult that is. And I notice that when I get older, I can't even hardly do it because i got to adjust my glasses, right? But let me give you a, a Hebrew mindset on the eye of a needle. And the eye of a needle on a Hebrew mindset is not that. There, was, um, there were entrances or exits into, into areas, and there would... You've ever seen uh, a stone wall where the entrance and the exit was about yay high, and it would come up, and it would have almost like a pointed deal, and it'd come back down. That is, that's what they would call the eye of a needle. And in order to get into the eye of the needle, the camel loaded with goods would actually have to get on its knees and walk through the eye of the needle. And after it got through the entrance, the camel could stand back up and deliver the goods that it had. So when Jesus was using this reference, he wasn't using the reference of a thread going through the eye of a needle. He was just saying that it's more difficult to get those things through this eye of the needle because wealth would have you and not you having wealth. God has no problem if you have wealth as long as it belongs to him. Come on, somebody. He has, he, he's not upset if you, you know, buy a, a red Mercedes. I mean, he's got a fiery red chariot, so, I mean, he's definitely not going to be in re, impressed by your red Mercedes. Amen? But that's not the point that I'm wanting to get to as much as, I, as we look at this. Look at verse 26. They who heard it said, how then can we be saved? Verse 27. And he said, the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. I'm going to go on. Verse 28. Peter said, hey, behold, we've left our own homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the kingdom of God's sake who will not receive many times as much at this time and in the age to come eternal life. So Jesus wasn't upset because the guy was rich. He was checking your heart and saying, what has you? So if we're going to renew our minds, we've got to renew our minds to the Word of God. Well, I can be changed. Say this. I can, can be changed and transformed into the image of God. So my mind has to line up with the things of God. My mind has to line up with His ways. I want to focus back on, on verse 27. Marty, if you'll just pull that up real quick. See, Jesus said this. The things that are impossible with people are possible with God. In other words, you might think it's impossible for somebody to change, somebody to be transformed into his image, but those very things that you think are impossible that, let's say, Uncle Bob is going to be able to change and become a believer and follower of Christ, they are possible with God. Somebody say, but God. So those things that we're going to go through and change. So what God is beginning to say is that he's changing not only the testimonies, but way, the way we as Christian, think about what's impossible. He says, all things are possible to him that what? That believes. Say believe. Turn to your neighbor and say, all things are possible. But, but you might say, well, you know, it might be possible, but they're not probable, and I don't know if it happens. It might happen to Martin. It won't happen to me. It might happen to Kelly, but it won't happen to me. It might happen to Pastor Jerry, but it won't happen to me. You've got to change that. You got to change that mindset. You got to change those words that are coming out. You got to change those that belief system within you. So we talked a little bit last week about the normal Christian life. 
And we said some of the normal Christian life takes out the supernatural. I'll just be good. I'll do good. I'll respect people and honor people, and that's fine. But don't tell me about the angels. Don't tell me there's angels coming and minister. I mean, that's just weird. No, it's very biblical. Well, what about people being translated? I shared with you the testimony about the guy that had gone into the bathroom and, and was being and was translated, opened up the bathroom and came out in the country that he was he was supposed to be supposed to be in. I mean, those things that's possible. I'm like, okay, God, you did it for him, you know, for Philip. What about for me? I want to be involved in that. So what we end up doing is we live our life according to our five normal natural senses. If I can't see it, oh, I got to see it. I can't hear it, can't smell it, taste it, touch it. Then it just, it isn't so. Well, God is so much bigger than that. And a lot of times we'll put him in a box and say, if I can't see it, God, you've got to talk to me, and I've got to hear you. He's, he's talking, I'm, I'm telling you, he is not silent. He is not silent. If we will begin to hear him, he'll give us wisdom. He'll speak to us. So we need to change our mind and go way beyond of what that, that Christians think is normal. I talked a little bit about coming to a, a new normal in your life. Coming to a place where you allow the angels of God to get involved. How? Well, through giving, through ministering, through different things in our lives. So we are here to do the will of God on the earth. We talked a little bit about that yesterday or last week. So I want to go ahead and put up these things. Why am I here for? Anybody ever, did you write these down? If you didn't write them down, I want you to go ahead and write them down today. Why am I here? What am I here for? We have a lot of times where you come to Christ, you give your life to the Lord, and you begin to think, why am I here? What am I doing this thing? I feel like this gerbil on this wheel, and it just keeps running and running and running and running, and I'm going nowhere. I'm looking at the same, you know, the same scenery, but I'm going nowhere because I'm just running and running and running and running. Maybe we don't realize and understand why we are actually here. We are here to make a difference. We are here to influence the world. Amen? If God knew you before the very foundation of the world, then there is something very important that for you. Amen? I mean, God loves you, and, and, and He wants the best for you, and you are valuable, and all those we are beginning to understand and change. But I want to tell you that you're here for a plan and a purpose. So one of the things our job on earth is to show other people what He is like. Not your idea of Him but show him what he's like. Do you think we have a God that has mercy? We have a God that has compassion? How about he loves? Oh, man, how about a God that has joy? <laughs> you know, Psalms 2 says he sits in the heavens and laughs. <laughs> you can read it at the plans and the schemes and the plots of the enemy. Read it sometime in Psalms 2. And he says he just laughs. The enemy might be trying to plan and scheme things against you, but God's up there going, <laughs> I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> Did you hear what the Satan said about this? Did you hear what he said about that? <laughs> so we've got to say what he's like. We, we have a God with joy and peace and a God that, that, that is concerned about your everyday life, even if it's, you know, frozen red punch. He's concerned about those everyday things. The second thing is that, that you have to understand that you are here to destroy the works of the enemy. Hello? Come on. Well, how do I destroy him? First of all, you don't agree with him, and you step out of those things that you know that is the enemy's playground. 
You can destroy those works by not even being involved in those works. That's, that's one way. So not only it's our job on earth to show other people what he's like, but to be able to destroy the works of the, of the enemy. But did you know that it's your job to demonstrate that heaven exists? Our kingdom come, thy will be done on as it is in. So earth is supposed to reflect heaven. We need to let others know that heaven exists. Heaven does exist. It's not a fairy tale. There's others that have been, that have come to, gone to heaven and came back. Even Paul was saying, man, I don't know if he's in the third heaven or what, but this, this guy ascended into heaven and, and, and got this great revelation. And we know even through the book of Revelation that John had ascended into heaven and saw these things. So you begin to look at it and you go, wait a minute, heaven does exist. Is there sickness in heaven? Is there disease in heaven? Is there poverty in heaven? Is there jealousy in heaven? Is there anger in heaven? So heaven exists, and we want to be able to see this. So as for you, I know it's hard. It's hard because, wait a minute, is there joy in heaven? Is there peace in heaven? Yeah, absolutely. Is there forgiveness? How about health? Is there health? Yeah, it's like, okay, so how do I exhibit these things? If I've got to show them that heaven exists, then God wants to move in and through you. And the fourth thing that I want to, want to share with you that why we're here is that babe, to give people a concrete demonstration to literally let them see not only that heaven exists, but that you have a demonstration of who God is. Do you think one of the greatest testimonies would be if you were in steeped in pornography and you came to Christ and you no longer were held in bondage by pornography and those that knew you were in bondage by that thing and you no longer were in that thing, do you think it'd be a testimony to them? Yeah, yeah. It would definitely be a testimony to them. My personal testimony story is that, 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 that I was an alcoholic, had tendencies. I was a functioning alcoholic is what you would say. I, I didn't, very rarely did I go to, to work with alcohol on my breath when I got a little bit older. But when I was younger, I did because I'd just come in from the club at, at 5 and go to work at 6. <gasps> but I had to change my mind. I had to renew my mind to the Word of God. And I had to come to a place that said, wait a minute, that thing's not going to operate in my life any longer. Amen? Now, I don't know what it is that we're dealing with. That mind specifically was that. I had shared somebody a testimony recently about, you know, why I feel the way I do about alcohol. It's, it's, it's because I've seen it destroy lives. My father had liver cancer, and when something that happens in your life, then maybe you begin to look at it and go, wait a minute, I need to concrete demonstrate that God does exist, and I can live a life free of that. I can live a life free of that bondage. Come on, somebody. I can live a life free of those things. I don't have to be caught by that. Okay. So the other thing that I wanted to really kind of review again was our commission. Do you know that um, the actual commission that we have when we talk about it is to heal the sick? Luke 10, when he sent the disciples out, he was like, heal the sick. The other one was to preach the good news, say there's good news. And we've got to tell people there's some good news, amen? There's some good news about Christ. It's not about law and all the stuff that you've got to give up or that you think you can't do. In fact, you have the freedom. Paul said, i got the freedom to do what I want to do, but some of the things that I'm going to do that I have done, probably will do, should do, shouldn't do, it may not benefit me. Amen? I mean, you can have a diet if you want to on chocolate cake and ice cream, and you could live off of chocolate cake and ice cream, but how many of you know it may not benefit you in about 20 years? 
<laughs> it, it, it would be good for a while, but pretty soon you'd get sick of that. Amen? So we need to, we need to know, not only our commission to know it's to heal the sick, preach the good news, but demonstrate who God the Father is and what He's like. Are we able to demonstrate that in your world? Can you start to begin? If you haven't, let's start to begin. Let's, do, let's begin to do that now. Because written into every spiritual DNA of every believer is an appetite for the impossible. There's something there that says, Ooh, I want to see the impossible. I want to see some things. I mean, you might begin to think that you can't get out of debt. There's no way you're ever going to be able to get out of debt. But I'm here to tell you, it's possible for you to get out. Amen? It's, imp- it's possible for you to get out of that. So one of the key words, and Robert's going to like this, one of the key words that I put together in my message this morning was if we're going to renew our minds to the things of God, there's a, there's a key word that I have that we want to take a few minutes and look at, and it's the word trust. Say trust. So I want to just share some scriptures with you real, real quickly. And the Hebrew word trust literally is bakta. And it literally means to be confident or to be sure. It literally means to be confident or to be sure. It means to have hope. It means to take refuge or to have refuge. It means to flee for protection. We ever thought about trusting God that we literally flee for the protection? A lot of us flee the other way around. Resist the devil and he will flee. Well, how about us? Maybe we need to flee for the protection of God. So we not only means to flee for protection or to confide in. I want you to know today that you can trust God. There's been people that, have anybody ever loaned something to somebody and not got it back? Anybody ever gave them some money and you trusted that they would uh, do the right thing with it and they didn't? Yeah. I, I mean, there's, I can give you example after example of we in our lives, as we go through life, can look at it and go, trust has been broken somewhere. But I want you to know you can trust God. Tell your neighbor you can trust God. Come on, tell them you can trust God. So I'm just going to remind you of a couple scriptures really quick. Isaiah 12, 2 says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Is that you? I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord your God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Isaiah 26, 34, it's, or excuse me, 4, it says, Trust in the Lord, what? Just once in a while? Oh, just when I feel confident? Oh, just when I'm feeling good? Oh, when things are going my way. Oh, come on, when I got money in the bank account and I got all my bills paid and my tummy's full, do I just trust in God then? He says, trust in the Lord forever. For in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. We've heard this theme this morning. Faithfulness of God. Trusting in God. I want you to know that daddy can be trusted. We don't have a dad that can't be trusted. We have a dad that can be trusted. And maybe in your life you've had a biological father or a father that was involved in your life that may have left and you think, I can't trust him, or may have said he would do this and he didn't do that. But I'm here to tell you that we serve a God that says, I am not only faithful, but you can trust me. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, we can trust Dad. Psalms 37.3 says, trust in the Lord and what? Do good. We can trust in him. Let's trust in him couple more scriptures. Psalm 62, 8 says, trust at him when you're feeling good. Trust in him when your bank account's full. 
Trust in him when your refrigerator's full. Trust in him when? Everybody, when? At all times. Trust in him. You mean I can trust in him when things are going difficult in my life? Yes. I can trust in him when things, when there's pain and I'm hurting and I'm crying out and I just don't understand some things. Can I trust you, God, even in the midst of things that I don't understand? If I don't have it figured out, can I still trust in you? If I don't understand, can I still trust in you? I may not understand about angels and and heaven and, and, and all these different things, but can I still trust in you? He says you can trust in the Lord at all times. Say all times. So Proverbs chapter... What did I do? Six? Yeah. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And I'm going to close in this scripture. And this is the Amplified Version. I want you just to listen to this. The Amplified Version says, To lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind. And don't rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge Him (laughs) And he will direct and make straight and plain your path. Wow. Wow. I love that. I love that. And that's my verse. That's that's what explodes on the inside of me. But it says right here, don't rely on your own insight or understanding. A lot of times we'll get a little bit of word of God and we'll have one-tenth of the word and we'll put 90% of our own insight and understanding on it instead of allowing him to have 100% of insight and understanding. And he says, in all your ways, recognize him. In what you're doing today, recognize him. In what goes on this afternoon, will you recognize him? In what goes on tonight, will you recognize him? Will you recognize where he is, what he's doing, how he's operating? Will you acknowledge him? Will you say, Lord, lead and guide me and direct me? Will you say that? Will you lead and guide and direct me, Father? Will you help me in my times of need? Will you give me? Yes, you can. You're there. Will you acknowledge him and recognize him in all the things that we do? Or do we just recognize him on Sundays or recognize him on Wednesdays or maybe when difficult things or I'm flipping through the television and there's a TV preacher or I'm looking on the Internet and there's a sermon. Do I begin to recognize Or am I recognizing God when I'm parenting my children? Am I recognizing God when I'm in my business dealings? Am I recognizing God when I'm loving my wife? Am I recognizing God when my wife's loving me? Am I recognizing God when others are giving of their time, their talent, their substance, their life to us? Are we recognizing God? As I close this morning, I, the renewed mind begins to destroy the works of the devil. The renewed mind is, is so we can begin to not have an earthly reality, but have a heavenly reality. Remember what the word repent means? Re means to do again. And pent is like penthouse moving to the top floor of a building. We need, our reality doesn't need to be from the world. Our reality needs to be from Christ. So, if God's will is not just in word, His will is not just in word, but it's in deed also, then I'm asking you, can you, will it heal the sick? Will it give strength to those that are weak? 
Will it free the enslaved? That's what his word's about this morning. Will it be creative to those of some of us that don't have much creativity? Man, I see the creativity that Pastor Sean has, and I'm like, man, he can see and draw and all sorts of stuff, and I'm just like, I got a little stick, guys. Can he give me creativity? Absolutely. Can we change our mind to where there's a situation that might, might think's hopeless? But God release hope in it? Yes. We do that. Let's stand this, this morning before we, before we close. So change is, is more than just renewing our mind, but renewing our mind is important to change. So what mindsets do we have that we need to say, God, change the way I feel about certain situations? Some of you might have a mindset that God will not and cannot forgive something that you've done. And I'm here to tell you, He can and He will forgive you. Yes, He will. And we can trust Him. So as we move forward on renewing our mind, we do have a God that we can trust. Let me pray for you today. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you that you continue to release your trust. That you are trustworthy. That we do trust you in situations and circumstances. We do trust that you know better sometimes, God, that all the time than what we know. We do trust that you're working things out. We do trust that you're there for us, Father. So we just ask that the the blessing of the Lord will just be upon you today. And that this afternoon that you'll trust Him. Tonight you'll continue to trust in Him. You'll have confidence in Him. You'll begin to run to Him. The Father, just release. Just release these people here today. Your people. Of the fear that we won't trust you. Or we can't trust you. That you are good and you're good all the time. Father, we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You know, we had a wonderful time in worship this morning. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want to pray for you today. If you're here today and you just want us to pray for you, the prayer teams will come and minister to you this morning. If you uh, are just looking for a touch from God, just come and let us minister to you. God bless you. We pray blessings over you and you are dismissed today. Now, we have worship team. I mean, the worship's just going to continue to play and we'll minister as long as you're here. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.